Our scripture reading today is from the book of John, chapter 1, verses 43 through 51. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, we pray that uh, as we think about this conversation that Philip and his friend Nathaniel were having about you, we pray, Lord, that you might hear us in that conversation, hear our own voices. And imagine what we would feel if somebody came to us and said, hey, I found the Messiah. I found God's own son. Come on. Come and see. Help us to imagine all those reasons we might find it difficult to follow our friend's lead. Lord, help us to understand this scripture in light of our own lives, our own decision-making, our own paths. In these few moments, Lord, speak to each one of us individually. Don't let the preacher's words get in the way. Speak to us. Your servants are listening. Amen. I was in my last year of the four years that I spent at Duke Divinity School uh, in Durham. And uh, in our system as United Methodist clergy, we are appointed, we are, we are sent by the bishop. And um, usually the bishop will utilize the services of the bishop's cabinet that's made up of district superintendents. The, each conference, each annual conference is divided into districts. We, at that time, there were 18. Today we have 16 districts and therefore 16 district superintendents. But the bishop utilizes the advice of the cabinet of superintendents to make decisions about where the clergy will be appointed. And that's, that happens every year. We're, we're appointed every year. That happened with Harry Kennan when he was a pastor here. That happened, that 
happens with Phil and with myself. And so it's very important that you have a kind of a working relationship with your superintendent because they sit on the cabinet and help determine your fate in terms of where you will go, if, especially if you are in a position where you might be moving in the coming year. Well, this was my last of four years at, at Duke, and I knew I was at the point of being appointed to a church somewhere to be its sole pastor. I had volunteered as an associate pastor during my years at Duke, and so I had that kind of experience. But now it was I'm gonna I'm gonna be out there probably in a in a small church somewhere where I will be the pastor alone. Might even be you know the only paid staff person in a particular church. Well, up until that year, I knew my superintendent very well, and he knew me. But just the year before, a new superintendent had been appointed into that position, someone who did not know me and someone uh, whom I did not know. So I said to myself, self, (laughs) you better get yourself up to Northern Virginia because I was part of the Arlington District and introduce yourself to the person who holds in his hands the fate of your future. So I went up there. I was single at that time, and I sat down in the superintendent's uh, office, and I said, you know, I'm single, and I may be single the rest of my life. That's in God's hands. But I just want you to know that is not what I'm planning to do. If it happens, it happens. But I just want you to know, sir, that if you send me to a little church where it will take a two-hour drive to buy an ice cream cone, you will kill me. I said those exact words, and when I think about, you know, the audacity uh, of what I said to my superintendent, but I just wanted to make it clear that I was very nervous about being in a position where I was not going to meet anybody that was uh, even uh, twice my age. Um, Well, I suppose the superintendent and the bishop understood my plight because uh, my first appointment was to a little church up in Northern Virginia, right about where Tyson's Corner is. If you know if you know anything about Northern Virginia and the Beltway, Tyson's Corner is pretty much right on the Beltway, and I was right there. You could walk to Tyson's Corner from my church. So in many ways, what the bishop and the cabinet was saying to this lowly Al Horton at Duke Divinity School come and see. Come and see what God has in store for you. I was appointed to a church called St. Luke's United Methodist Church, and I happened to have the privilege of serving as pastor there for eight years. Um, When I arrived, I arrived driving my Firebird, 1970 Firebird. Oh, how I wish I still had that car. And all of my belongings were in a little U-Haul, about a four-by-six U-Haul. Everything I owned in my life was in that U-Haul, and I was going off to this church where I knew no one and where no, no one knew me. I was scared to death. So the fact that the bishop and the cabinet were saying to me, come and see, it still was unnerving because I was going somewhere and I did not know where I was going, what, what was going to be awaiting me. 
But that is where I met my wife, Cheryl, and where we had our first child, Matthew. It is the same place where we, in fact, the very year we married was the year that we merged our church with another uh, African-American church that was closing. Well, actually, it had kind of merged into a church that was then closing, and we, we incorporated them into the life of our church, and so they merged with us. And the, the property that was left over, we sold to a Korean-American uh, congregation, United Methodist Congregation in the Baltimore-Washington Conference. They moved their congregation over to, to the McLean area where the property was. It is now the largest Korean American United Methodist Church in our conference, and they have done wonderful ministry over, over those many years. It is the same place, so those eight years that I served at St. Luke's is where we were able to build a new sanctuary where we started from scratch a child care center that operates today and is very active. When the DS said to me, come and see, I had no idea what I would find and how God would bless me in so many ways. Well, as I said, I was there eight years and... Uh, in my eighth year, I got a call from a district superintendent in the Charlottesville district. And this particular district superintendent said, you know, Al, I know you've been where you are for eight years. I know you're happy there, and I know they're happy with you, but I've got an opportunity for you. I want you to consider coming to a little church called Hinton Avenue United Methodist Church, which, by the way, this church helped give birth to. I said, well, let me talk to my wife. And then I did a no-no. Something that was uh, not kosher then probably isn't too kosher today. But my wife and I immediately got into the car and drove from Northern Virginia to Charlottesville and drove around the community of Hinton Avenue and the church to kind of get a feel for what would it be like to be a pastor there. We went back home. And I decided, let me call someone who knows about these things. And I called Dr. Franklin Gillis. Frank Gillis uh, has long been a mentor for me and a a good friend. He was the campus minister when I was at William & Mary. And uh, I called him up and I said, what do you know about Hinton Avenue? And Franklin says, well, Hinton Avenue is fine church, but I, I want you to get that out of your mind. I've got another opportunity for you. I want you, it's not even public knowledge right now, but the editor of the Virginia Advocate is getting ready to leave, and I want you to apply for that job. Well, I kind of laughed on the phone. I said, Franklin, you know, I'm still in, you know, I've been in ministry for just eight years, and young whippersnapper, that, you know, come on. You you think they're even going to consider hiring me? to do something like that. Oh, you got to do it. You must do it. You absolutely promise me you will do that. In essence, Franklin was saying to me, come and see. Just like the Charlottesville superintendent was saying, come and see Hinton Avenue. Franklin was saying, come and see this. So I said, okay, look, I'll apply. And I applied and they hired me out of some strange thing. And I was there 15 years as director of communications for the conference and editor of the Virginia Advocate. And those were some of the most satisfying years of my life. Two more children were born into our family. Uh, I had the opportunity to travel to Africa several times to 
Cuba when it was much more difficult to go there than it is today. I was able and honored to be elected to do two general conferences and three jurisdictional conferences where you elect uh, bishops. Um, I served for a, a time as president of the United Methodist Association of Communicators and was communicator of the year for one year. It, it was just, those were wonderful times. I got to see the church, the connectional church in a way that often you don't see at the local church level. Um, but after 15 years, I, I said, as much as I love this work, as much as I love what I'm doing, I just can't see that this is not my calling was to be a pastor as long as I can remember. And I'm telling you, when I was a toddler, I was thinking, I want to be a pastor. And I was missing that terribly. And so I decided to let the bishop know, listen, I'm open. If 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 you see a need for me in, in the in the local church, you let me know. And sure enough, that's what happened. And, and I was appointed to a, a church in Midlothian called Mount Pisgah United Methodist Church. I had spent 15 years um, in the communications and publishing arm of the church. And now I was coming up back to be a pastor and I was scared to death. The, the, the bishop in, in this church was saying, come and see. Come and check us out. Come and see what God has in store for you and for us. Come and see. And I was scared to death. In fact, just a few months after I had arrived, I had the opportunity to participate in the Walk to Emmaus experience, if any of you have ever had that. It's a powerful experience. And a number of the men in, our, in the church that I was now serving uh, were on the leadership team of of that weekend and I remember the night that I asked them to to pray for me and and as they all gathered around and put their hands on me I told them how scared I was and how inadequate I felt to be their pastor and they prayed for me and I was blessed and so I was there eight years and I was blessed in so many ways. We, we built a million-dollar gymnasium where we could have our contemporary service. We, um, we, we just we had a good, good experience. And, but after eight years, it was clear that it was time. It was time to see what God had in store. And so, um, so first United Methodist Church in Charlottesville through the bishop said, come and see us, come and see. And I've been here now going on nine years. And now I face a, a new chapter in my life. You know, 17 years after I left the advocate, after 15 years there and eight years before that and, and the years in, in seminary, I'm now faced with retirement, and, and I'm scared to death. I really am. 40 year, 43 years of ministry, and now at the end of June, I'll, I'll be hanging up that title of pastor, and, and it's scaring me to death. But you see, I believe firmly that God is saying, come and see. And every single time that I've responded to that, 
God has blessed me in ways that I could not have imagined, that I never could have prepared myself for how God had would richly bless me with people, with, with circumstances. It makes me think of this little encounter that Philip had with Nathaniel. Because you see, Philip was working his nets, doing his job when, when Jesus came to him and said, follow me. In essence, Jesus was saying, come, come and see. Come and see what I have to offer you. I, I know you, you love your work as a, as a fisherman, and I know you feel fulfilled, but come and see what I have to offer you. Follow me. And Philip left it all behind, and I can't help but believe he must have been scared. Maybe he had to even leave his family behind. We don't, we don't know about that. But he had to have had some, at least some, is this what God is calling me to do? And then because of Jesus calling him out from his net, he goes to his friend Nathaniel and he says, Nathaniel, you won't believe who I have met. And in fact, in our scripture lesson, he says, we have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. He was saying, I've found the son of God. You got to meet him. And Nathaniel responds, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? He knew the little town of Nazareth. Maybe there were one or two thousand people who lived there. It was a little agricultural town on the uh, not very far from the Sea of Galilee. It was a nowhere place. It was never mentioned in the scriptures. The great Jewish uh, historian Josephus never mentioned Nazareth. I mean, what good could come out of Nazareth? That's what he was asking. Why, why do you want me to go meet this guy named Jesus from Nazareth? And so what does Philip say? He says to Nathaniel, come and see. Come and see. You know, may, maybe, maybe you won't like him. Maybe you won't like what he's calling you to do. Maybe you're even scared to meet him. But come and see and see for yourself and just see what happens. Come and see. Andrew, the brother of Peter, he, he's called the bringer because he is always bringing people to Jesus. Andrew went to his brother Peter after having met Jesus, and he said, come, in essence, come and see. He, he, wanted, he wanted Peter to experience what he had experienced. And Andrew is the one, if you recall, from the Gospel of John that brings the little boy that has the five loaves and two fish when you had all those people that needed to be fed. He brings the boy. He brings Peter. In essence, what he's saying to, to the boy and to Peter, come and see. Come and see whom I have met. And when the Greeks came to Philip and said, sir, we would see Jesus, Philip takes him to the bringer, Andrew, who takes them to, to Jesus. In other words, He's saying, come and see. You want to see Jesus? Then come and see. Well, here's my question for you. Where is God calling you to go today, now, in your life? Is God calling you to a new job or a new town, maybe to begin an, 
a new career or a new project? I mean, only you can answer that question. I grew up an army brat, and um, last night I um, tried to count all the different places I've lived in my life, mostly due to that, but not only due to that. And I came up with, I, I lived in 13 different places, and, and that's not counting the seven different places that I lived as a student at William and Mary and Duke. I've lived in apartments and duplexes. I've lived in a trailer and not, not a mobile home. As you think of, I lived in a trailer. I lived in dorms, of course, like many of you. And I've lived in single-family homes. I've lived in the country. I've lived in the city. I've lived in the suburbs. And I've lived on an island in the New York Harbor. <laughs> and every single time without exception, when I have moved to a new place and met new people, God has blessed me. God has blessed me with new and enriching experiences and introduced me to wonderful people who have really quite literally changed my life. Whenever I get frightened by the possibility of change, God, God says, come and see, and blesses me. Well, now I'm faced with retirement at the end of June, and I'm scared to death. I really am. I covet your prayers. Because I don't know what's going to happen the day after I retire. I don't know what God has in store for me. I am scared to death. But God is saying, come and see. Come and see what I have in store for you. And so I'm going. Well, maybe God is calling you somewhere that isn't even necessarily a physical place, but maybe it's an event or a circumstance that God is calling you to. And maybe more importantly and more difficultly, God is calling you to a new place in your heart. You know, God may be calling you into a life where you experience the loss of a relationship or a death. That's a, that's a, that's a new and scary place for anyone who's ever been called to go there. Maybe, maybe you will be, if you have not already been called into a, an illness, your own or the illness of a loved one, or maybe a handicapping condition. Those are not necessarily physical places, but they are real places of change, and, and sometimes they can be horribly scary. Maybe God is calling you to a new way of thinking. You know, maybe seeing someone in a new light. You know, maybe seeing someone that, that hurt you or harmed you or has a, a, a position, a political or theological position that you just hate. And maybe God is calling you to see that person as your brother or sister. And it can be a scary place to go because you may not want to go there. But God says, come and see. Maybe God is asking you to take on a new cause or maybe to offer yourself in service to someone in need. 
I can't answer that question for you. I can't say where God is calling you, but you can if you listen. If you listen for that still, small voice, you will hear God saying, come and see. And if you're a little bit nervous about it, that's probably pretty good uh, evidence that God is calling you. Because I'm telling you, every time I've been called to go somewhere new, it's never been an easy proposition. Any of these places might feel like Nazareth felt to Nathaniel. It may feel like a nowhere place. It might be a scary place. And as I said, it might be a place you're afraid to go. But God just might be saying to you what Philip said to Nathaniel. Come and see. Let us pray. Lord, forgive us for being afraid to go when you call. We're just human. But Lord, give us the faith to believe that if we do go where you call us, you've got blessings waiting for us that we could never imagine. Help us, Lord, to go where you lead. Amen.